Okay, Bridget, I think we came to the wrong place. A lot of activity out here by the old barn. Before we go in the house, I'd like to make a couple comments. That barn door is enormous. And it reminds me of the great door in front of you. The door that's going to lead you around the world. There's several doors. And this is this is the problem is there's no there's no one answer at least for me. But I think it started growing up on I grew up on a farm in northern Wisconsin and I was homeschooled and I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time around other people when I was growing up, but I had a lot of freedom as far as the outdoors and exploring. So it it allowed me to explore sort of without consequence because if you live in a city there's traffic and there's other people and there's a lot of dangers around and there's certainly other dangers in the country but they're pretty avoidable and i think that was the first thing that kind of encouraged me to explore a little more and when i was 19 i left the farm and i went to work on a tall ship in washington state and I think that was that was a pretty big door. <laughs> it was just fantastic. I worked on this tall ship for eight months and got to explore the West Coast. And it just really opened my eyes to just really a small part of the world. But the potential for the just mass quantity of discoveries in the world. So I think that was something that really jump-started my adventuring. I can see going from the farm, maybe you had a horse, a crazy mule, (laughs) probably had a dog, and you're up in Bayfield, so you're obviously seeing a lot of um, shipping, recreational. Mm -hmm. You know, I can see that line taking Mm -hmm. you over to Washington for the tall ship. Oh, yeah. However, when you get off the deck of the tall ship, you're still about to unlock another large, crazy door. While I was on the boat, I, my whole family has motorcycles. I think my mother and one of my sisters is the only one that don't. And keep in mind, I have five siblings, and my dad rides too. So there's a lot of there's a lot of motorcycles around. And while I was out there, I decided that I was going to get a motorcycle. I had been around them for a long time and I was like, okay. So when I came back, I got my first bike, 2004 Kawasaki Ninja. It's it's a very small bike. It was only a 250, but I rode that thing into the ground. In less than two years, I put 17,000 miles on it. I went to the West Coast. I went to the East Coast. I did a lot of stuff around the Great Lakes and that definitely kickstarted it. It's pretty much as soon as I got back, I was just like, let's go. Let's keep going. (laughs) Okay, so where do you find the idea for this world record? I mean, were you reading a magazine? Where did this idea come from? It came from my older brother, Thomas, who also rides motorcycles. And I was visiting him, and we were talking, of course, about bikes. And he mentioned this record, and he pulled up an article about Henry Crew who was the person that currently holds the record for youngest man. And he said, you could do this. Like, I can't do it because I'm 25. 
but you could do it in the time I was 20. And I said, no, absolutely not. Um, and I just thought it was, you know, it was sort of a tempting idea, but I was just like, what? No, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, that's good. I mean, it's that's the first time you've recognized that you are crazy. Yes. Okay. No, there's there's no kicking around that. It's it's sort of there. But I thought about it, and I like I talked to Thomas some more, and I talked to some of my close friends, and I kicked it over, and I was kind of I guess flip flopping on it. it was, some days I'd be like, yeah, I could totally do that, and other days I'm like, no, 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 no. And I just remember the, the tipping point was I had a memory of one of my Sea Scout leaders. She would always say, don't tell yourself no before anybody else does. Just tell yourself you can't do something just for the sake of telling yourself you can't do it. I mean, you might as well try it. And that's something that's really stuck with me. How old were you when you had that advice? Probably 16. So I wasn't a child, maybe, but I was definitely a young adult. Okay, now the practical. You've got the bike. You apparently know how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> you've got a credit card for fuel. You, you've got mm -hmm. the you've got the basics. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, you're actually going to shove off on the first mile. Oh yeah. What What do you have on the bike to get you to mile two? Many things. The first thing I did to the motorcycle was I put crash bars, bars on her because I knew I would be falling over. It's sort of a taller bike and it's heavy, so you just have stuff on there. So I put crash bars on. And the second thing was I put gas tank mounts. So there's two gas tank mounts on the rear of the bike so I can mount two two-gallon gas tanks, which I probably won't have four gallons of extra fuel with me at all times. I might have a gallon in each just to make things even, but unless I'm in a very, very remote area, I will not need that much fuel. <laughs> the third thing was I made a skid plate, and that was, <laughs> that was an endeavor, and I certainly didn't make it alone. I had some help from my previous school. Uh, Northwoods Technical College, and they were very kind in letting me use their facilities to make the skid plate and to make the gas tank mounts. These are custom mounts, and it was a great help. And it's certainly a nice skid plate now that all the work is done, and you absolutely can buy aftermarket skid plates for these that are very good. I was just <laughs> very stubborn and decided I was just going to make it. <laughs> What's the weight of the bike before you get on it, before you put your gear, now that you've got the skid plate and the other items you just mentioned? What's the weight of the bike now? Um, curb weight is about 400 pounds. So it's, as far as adventure bikes go, it's not crazy. Um, it's actually pretty good. Um, I can pick it up by myself really easy. What? I mean, you're taking pots and pans, a dishwasher, <laughs> radios, typewriters. What are you taking on the bike? So I have, I just assembled all my gear. Um, I did a mini trip where I sort of, I shed some gear 
that I didn't need. Um, it's a pretty basic list of stuff. There's about 70 pounds of gear that I'll be taking with me. That's including the bags that it's in. Um, uh, some of the things are I have a very small air compressor so I can change my tires. I have a laptop, battery, tent, um, small camping kit, water, small stove. If anyone's familiar with the Whisper Light stove, it can burn um, white gas, diesel, and gasoline. So anytime, like if I can run my bike, I can run this tiny stove. Um, I have a notebook, I have food, I have a Swedish brass axe, <laughs> courtesy you, of my older brother. Hold, hold on, let's back up. You have a Swedish what? I have a Swedish brush axe. It's not what you would typically think of as an axe. It sort of looks like the beak of a parrot. It has a a longer handle. You can put two hands on the handle, um, but that's pretty much it. And then it has a blade that's about mm, 10 inches-ish. Oh, maybe maybe nine. And it's sort of curved at the tip, and it's very good for getting through any sort of brush that you have to go through or if trees go down on the trail. But it's very compact. It's it's a very sturdy blade, but it's very it's thin and it's compact, so you can you can chop through things easily. <laughs> my my brother gave it to me and he said, Bridget. This can cut through a boy's head in two swings. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, this is courtesy of your consultant brother, Thomas. Yes, yeah, correct. Okay. You have not implicated any of the other siblings yet. No. Uh, there are definitely other sibling contributors, but he has been the biggest. Okay. Here we go. Where do you start the trip officially? Where is it in your Bayfield driveway or just where do you actually officially begin? I will be starting from Ashland, Wisconsin. Um, I haven't picked an exact spot in Ashland yet. I am, I'm leaving in eight days, <laughs> but I haven't. I was considering my brother lives in my other brother, Michael lives in Ashland and maybe I'll start outside of his house. I was also thinking there's a local coffee shop called the black cat. Um, and I might do it there. I think that would be a really good place. Okay. You mentioned in 10 days, did you say eight, eight? Okay. Uh, so today is today's August 1st, 1st, mm -hmm. August 1st, 2022. I just mm -hmm. want to I want to get that on the record so that people will know what eight days is. <laughs> well, I'm I'm leaving on the tenth, so I think it was a little more than eight days. Okay. We'll we'll do the math later, okay, Bridget? <laughs> All right. So anyway, you're gonna start in Ashland and mm -hmm. you're gonna go straight east, west, north, south. What's what's your basic route? Um I will be going, I think, first to Milwaukee. I have 
a friend there that will be coming with me for the South America portion of the trip. Now, I will be staying in the U.S. until the end of September, and she's sort of getting her bike together, and she will be going straight to Mexico, um, specifically, specifically Baja. So she's probably going to be there before I am, but first to Milwaukee, visit her, and then um, I'm going to a overland expo which is sort of like this big overlanding event and that's what i'm doing i'm overlanding i'm traveling overland and it's just this big sort of outdoor event where there's lots of exhibitors and other people that do what i'm doing and i'm hoping to meet some friends and make some networks and that's in utah so i'll be heading there next and that's in Utah. So and is then that... from there, I will probably go up to Seattle and visit some of my friends on the West Coast. And I have some family there that I'll be visiting, like my uncle and my aunt. Uh, it's just sort of moseying around until the end of September, and then I'll be going into Baja, Mexico. Your plans to go to Baja and I don't know. I think there must be a ferry that connects the Baja Peninsula with mainland Mexico. Yes. All right. So There's a few. Okay. Now, from Mexico, when you do get as far as you're going to go in South America, is that Chile or Argentina? I will be going to the very tip of the world, which, which is in Argentina. Um, it is a city. Pretty much the southernmost inhabited place in Tour de Fuego. Land of the fire. So you're down there, and mm -hmm. are you going? Are you going over to the African continent next? What is? What's the next continent you're going for? Um. So after, so I'm going all the way down there, and then I'm coming sort of up on the east side into Brazil, and then from Brazil. I will either be flying into, I would like to fly into Morocco and go up through Spain and France to the UK. I will be going to the UK and then to Ireland. There's apparently there's a castle McAvoy round, which my mother's maiden name is McAvoy. And I want to go see my castle. That's a good plan. I know there's also a castle McCutcheon around, which I'm sure there's many. And then from there, sort of coming back into Europe and going to Turkey. And then from Turkey, now this is where pretty much of a salad plan flies out the wing window. <laughs> I will From Turkey, I will either be going through Russia or Iran, both of which are very difficult to get visas for. Yeah, I think that Russia, you won't have to deal with deserts that I think you do in Iran. Correct. And, of course, with the geopolitical issues now with Russia and the West, mm -hmm. the United States, you know, it might be a little difficult. If, however, you do get across the border of Russia and Belarus or, you know, wherever, wherever you get across that border, mm -hmm. I do have a good friend who is a native in Moscow. She might be able to help. I actually have a fellow motorcycleist. I guess, a fellow motorcycle rider 
who is currently riding his motorcycle through Russia. Instagram handle is Traveling Chopper. But he's currently in Russia, and he says by the time he gets through, he'll have many contacts for me to use, which is pretty awesome. He's also just a great individual and has helped me out a lot as far as advice and and traveling. Well, that's wonderful to have somebody on the road ahead of you like that. Oh, yeah. It's very nice. Where is the halfway point on this adventure, roughly speaking? I know you're not sure exactly what route. The halfway point is probably when I ship my motorcycle. Um, There's also a contingency that if I can't get my visa to either country before I leave America, that while I ship my bike over, I will fly back to the States and once again attempt to get a visa to either Russia or Iran. Okay, so let's say you get through Russia, and then I think maybe you're going to end up going through China. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Okay. And eventually you'll maybe find a way to get into Japan or one of the other island countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're lucky, you can get somebody on a tugboat to stop by and let you put your bike on and you can put your feet up for a while. I'm sort of, when I go through Russia, I'm pretty much bordering Kazakhstan and Mongolia, which I would like to go through, but I don't know if I'll test my luck coming in and out of countries, especially going trying to come in and out of Russia. But there's the furthest most city in Russia is... Vladivostok, and from there I would, there's a ferry that goes from Vladivostok to South Korea, and I would go to South Korea, and from there I might be able to go to Japan. Vladivostok, we spoke about that in a preliminary conversation, and the small world, maybe the smallest world experience I've ever had is in this earlier conversation you and I shared, I discovered that there's a uh, religious mission that I support and actually travel around this country making presentations on behalf, I discovered that your father, in fact, over 30 years ago, was instrumental in getting this mission in Vladivostok, Russia, up and running. Now, that, my friend, is a small world story. It's never been smaller. He, in fact, he's he's mentioned... I'm not, I'll have to ask him again what exactly his involvement was. All I know is he helped (laughs) in some pretty major way. And he said that he still has the ability to contact the minister there. And I will probably be seeing them when I come through there. So also, if you get there, in addition to your father's contact there, um, I can help you out also. Okay. Two years from now, you're all done with the trip. Your bike is sitting in the barn getting dust on it. Ah, never. <laughs> what do you see two years from now? I think I will go back to tall ships. Um, I have, I think my career for probably the rest of my days will be some form of maritime. Um, I really enjoy being on the water. I've always enjoyed being on the water. I, I want to go back to tall ships and... Hopefully I'll have my captain's license by then. I, I have all the sea time for it. And it's a, for anyone who knows, it's a 100-ton inland masters, which means I can operate any 100-ton 
inspected vessel within the Great Lakes or inland waters. That's pretty remarkable. That doesn't give you qualifications to be, let's say, a pirate in the Caribbean, right? Uh, no. With that license, I can also apply for a near-coastal 100-ton mate, which means I could operate as a mate of a, I think it's a 200, uh, within 200 miles of the shore. So you want to get off the bike and go into being on the water for a long time. Yeah, I think so. And I think I'll I'll tour around on the bike too, but maybe I'll just take the bike to go to the ship. And you know, it's small, it can come with me. Can you imagine that you and I are going to have an opportunity to share an episode or two on your great adventure? I think so. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I don't see why not. I agree. Uh, so maybe you'll remember and send me an email when you're down there at Tierra de Fuego, Argentina, and you're in some coffee shop down there and you say, hey, there's that old Patrick Miner up yonder. I'm going to ring his bell. I, can, I think I can do that. Well, good, good. Well, this is very interesting. Bridget, there must be something that is terribly important about making an international trip. Is there something that's just special about the idea of international travel? Yes. I think, especially in my part of the world, I don't know if it's especially because I haven't been in many other parts of the world, and this is I'll come back to this, but you see the people that you see every day, and you don't see a great variety of people, and the problems that you have are the same problems that everybody else has. And there's not a lot of variety, I guess. Not not true variety of, of issues or or even joys, like things that we enjoy. There's pretty much all very similar. And to go into literally the world and to see other people's problems and other people's joys and just how other people live their life or how the earth lives its life how it changes from place to place, I think is something everybody should endeavor to see at some point in their life. And I I want to experience this, and I want to know what it is, and I think hopefully, hopefully I can encourage other people to do this, but I think travel and exposing yourself to things that are not in your comfortable environment fortifies you as a person. Maybe it tests some of your beliefs, whatever they might be. Maybe it changes them. Um, And I think change is really good. I think I will change my opinions on many things on this trip, and I hope (laughs) that they're correct, but, you know, all I can do is go. So you've got uh, a wise way of looking at your international experiences to come. And I, thank you. I especially think the insight about we all have our joys, and there's probably some commonality between them. I think this thread of connection that you've already perceived, you'll discover, and I think it'll just make your trip so much better. I hope so. I hope to make a lot of friends that I stay in contact with. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm really nervous. 
don't get me wrong, but I am just absolutely floored. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really good um, because when you meet someone that would typically be perceived as odd because they're from maybe another country or even another part of this country, like this country is huge. It's not like something foreign that makes you nervous. It's just, you know, it's another person that's slightly different from you. And maybe it's intriguing instead of intimidating. Where launch this project? And we know it's going to be in Ashland, and mm -hmm. it might be near a black cat. <laughs> black cat coffee shop. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, that sounds great. Please stay in touch. I wish you the very best. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Bridget. Godspeed. Goodbye for now. Okay, bye now. And talking about doors, we got a got a squeaky one there. <laughs>